Blog Talk Radio. your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a Reiki master and certified sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where we are streaming to you live as we do every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Our chat room is open, so feel free to join the discussion that's already happening online. We do keep an eye on the chat room, so if you have a question, go ahead and post it. We'll do our best to get your question on air. And as an alternative, for those of you who are on the go, you can't continue to listen online, you're running about, call us directly by dialing 347-202-0227, and that way you can listen via your phone, or please use your Bluetooth if you are driving. Okay, before we begin, I need to thank my friends at AdRunner again. They are wonderful. They are spreading the word about Energy Awareness Radio. If you're tuning in from Sussex or Morris Counties in New Jersey, you may have seen the digital ads running in the Jefferson Diner, the Randolph Diner, or at Casamia in Sparta. The company running those screens is called AdRunner, and they have screens in various eateries across all of New Jersey. And I must tell you, 
Everyone at AdRunner has been so helpful. Whenever I have changes to my ad, they make the necessary edits, and the ad is up and running the very next day. Many people have told me that they have found out about Energy Awareness Radio from the AdRunner screens. So thank you, AdRunner. You can find out more about them on their website, adrunner.co. That's spelled A-D-R-U-N-N-E-R dot C-O. I just love AdRunner. They are a wonderful group of people that make my life so easy, and that makes me very happy, and we all get to benefit from that. Okay. For several decades now, futurists and commentators all across the spectrum have proclaimed that humanity is experiencing the biggest shift in its evolutionary history. And as more and more of us wake up to this fact, we're brought face-to-face with some fundamental questions. Who are we? in the light of our planetary crisis, and how did we get here? What happens if humanity fails to respond constructively to its challenges? Where will we go if we make the right choices? And what will it take to make those choices? Tonight we're going to discuss these as well as other big-picture questions with my guest, Anodea Judith, a world-renowned teacher and best-selling author who has been called a prophet for our time. With a master's and doctorate in psychology and healing, she has been a lifelong student of history, mythology, comparative religion, yoga, sociology, and politics. She is best known for her groundbreaking works, bridging Eastern disciplines with Western psychology through her classic books, Wheels of Life, and Eastern Body, Western Mind. She has created an award-winning DVD, The Illuminated Chakras, and an empowering manual for manifestation, Creating on Purpose. Her newest book is our topic for discussion. It's on social evolution, The Global Heart Awakens, Humanity's Rite of Passage from the Love of Power to the Power of Love. Good evening, Anodea. Thank you so much for taking time to join us here tonight. How are you being this evening? I am just wonderful and so happy to be on your show, T-Love. Well, thank you so much. And you can call me T. That actually is my first name. So okay. feel free to just call me T. <laughs> it's a little odd, I know, but that's okay. It works for me. <laughs> the first, I wanted, to say con- <laughs> I wanted to say congratulations to you. I love OM Magazine, and it was so very nice to see you gracing their July cover, which was very cool in and of itself. But you also got a 14-page layout. That is incredibly huge. So kudos to you for that. Well, thank you. Yes, it was quite a spread. I was really surprised myself and very pleased. Yeah, it was a wonderful spread. It was a great article. So, you know, anybody out there who has not yet seen it, check out Own Magazine because NOJ is on the cover, and it's a great article, and, yeah, it's something really to be proud of. Um, It's just, you know, a pleasure to have you on the show, and I don't know of anyone right now who is not feeling that something is going on across the planet. People are referring to the shift, but I don't really know that anyone knows what this shift truly is. I hear things like the energy is chaotic, which I think is a great word to describe what we're seeing and feeling happening all over the globe as well as within ourselves. And there's a kind of a sense of urgency or wrenching of the heart, confusion in thought. This is what I hear from the clients and patients who come in to me for treatment. And people are all over the place, and they want to know what exactly is going on, what is causing all of these challenges that we're facing right now, the economic issues, the violence, the extremes in weather, the shortages in food and water, and even more importantly, how do we get through it as unscathed as possible? Now, having said all of that, I'd like to start with the basics, if if I can do that at all, if that's even possible, and ask you, and I'm guessing this is probably a loaded question, but what exactly is this shift that you refer to in your book as a rite of passage from cultural adolescence into our planetary adulthood? Well, that's exactly what it is. I'm I'm looking at all of these factors that are going on in the planet that everyone is concerned about and stepping back and looking at the larger pattern that it describes. And what I see is that humanity is at, at its adolescent stage of development, We were born in the primal womb of nature. We crawled across the land in our teeming toddlerhood. We went through 5,000 years of sibling rivalry to now arrive at an adolescent state where we've had a huge growth spurt in our population. We've been ruled by parental authority. 
we are very narcissistic and self-absorbed, and we use everything without regard to the future, thinking it's just going to be supplied to us by mom and dad like it always has been. And what I see is that all these issues on the planet are going to be humanity's initiation right, that these challenges are here to awaken powers that we have not had awake, and mainly the powers of collaboration and cooperation and the tools to do that, because the problems that are facing us on this planet can only be solved by new systems, a new organizing principle. And that's why each of us as individuals feel so small in the face of these problems, because literally, as individuals, we can't do anything about them. But as a collective awakening, we can. And, you know, you speak about values, which we have definitely, as a society, misappropriated to the extreme. You know, everything, as you said, we've been in, in all about me and forget the bigger picture type of mode for quite some time. We've abused everything that we've received to the point of a sense of entitlement. And, you know, this is somewhat ego-driven from what I see, and that takes its toll. And I understood when I read about, you know, speaking of values in your book, and I understand those, but then you went on to talk about organizing principles. And that was interesting, too. Would you mind explaining what the difference is? Yeah, an organizing principle is the belief system or the operating system, if you will, that holds the society together. And so for the past 5,000 years, we've been held together by an organizing principle based on the love of power. And what I mean by that is that someone, a strong leader on top, decides what the plan is, gives the orders, and tells everybody else what to do, down through a hierarchical pyramid. You know, the president, and then his cabinet, and then Congress, and then the legislators, and on down. Or a corporation is, you know, the CEO of the corporation on down, or a university president, or a church. Everything is working in this hierarchical fashion. And that has worked to a certain degree, but now that we are growing up and individuals have more power, more intelligence, they're better informed, they're more awake spiritually, psychologically, emotionally than they used to be, that old form just doesn't work anymore. It doesn't harvest the intelligence of everyone. And the fact is we're such a complex civilization now that no one person on top can possibly rule over it all. So we're up for a new organizing principle, which I call the power of love. Adults choose what they love, by and large. Children are do what they're told. <laughs> and as Correct. we up, we decide to go to school or get a job or whatever, we begin to choose for what we like. I want to major in this because this is what interests me. I want to move here. I want to date this person. I want to go to the beach today. You know, adults get to get to choose in a different way, and adults collaborate with each other. They're not in the parent-child dynamic anymore. So we are entering a period of adulthood where we can maturely collaborate with each other and work together toward creating what I call heaven on earth. I think that's why we're here. I agree with you, and I, what I really loved was your timeline with the chakras. I have never thought about it in the way that you put it all together, and when I saw it, it just made so much sense to show where we come from to where we are now. And probably the best thing to do is to kind of explain that timeline as to where we came from and why, why your interpretation shows us where we are today. Yeah, if we want to understand the book of evolution you know, it's like an exciting storybook. We can't just open it in the middle and have the characters make sense. We have to kind of go back to the beginning of the story. So if we do that, and as I say, we were born from the primal womb of nature, you know, the product of billions of years of evolution. So that was our mother, and that was, I equate, equate that to the first chakra. The first chakra is survival instincts and it's related to the element earth. So at that time, you know, the old Stone Age, we were living very close to the earth. We lived in caves, hunted game, gathered plants. You know, life was very simple. Um, you could say we were infants in the garden of nature. 
So that was our early childhood. That was our survival stage. Once we learned to put seeds in the ground, we took power over our survival a little bit more. And instead of being, um, you know, wandering hunter-gatherers, we were farmers. We could stay in one place. We could build, you know, we could build cities. We could build temples, you know, permanent dwellings. And with that came a new organizing principle. Oh, how do we work with the forces of the wind and the rain and, and, you know, the crops and the children that are being born and how do we live together in communities, in larger communities than traveling bands. And as we became successful at that and procreation really took off and we could feed everybody, then we lived in even larger groups of people, 50 to 100,000 in areas the size of a small town, um, and that took us into the beginning of empire. So let me backtrack a moment that putting mm-hmm. seeds into the ground, the Neolithic period, that was our second chakra. Second chakra is the element water. So that was learning to control water for agriculture. It was also the beginning of shipbuilding, both of which took us on an evolutionary leap. So then we come in to the beginning of empire. Once we were living in cities of fifty to 100,000 people, and, you know, mind you, no one knew how to read or write, or scarcely anyone. Um, you know, there was no technology that we take for granted today, no radios, no um, newspapers, no fax machines, no transportation that was motorized. I mean, none of that had been invented. How do we coordinate that many people? It took a very strong ruler to say this is how it's going to be and have very dictatorial rule that was carried out by word of mouth from his command all the way down. And at that time, there were actually a lot of slaves. That was the worst of it, and then people in between. And so that was our organizing principle. That's very third chakra. And that's what we've been in for the last 5,000 years. We've been evolving from it, but we're still in a top-down hierarchical organizing principle, getting ready to shift to the heart chakra, which is chakra number four. Um, The heart chakra is based on the element air, the breath, the spaciousness, the lightness. It's based on love and connection and cooperation and generosity and compassion and forgiveness. So these are the values now that will be guiding the new organizing principle or the new operating system. You know, it's very interesting because in all this time that's gone by, we're at the heart chakra. And when you look at that and you really see, I don't know, for lack of a better word, where we messed up, <laughs> where we yeah. really started to abuse this, it hasn't been that long. It, yeah. We didn't do it in all those years. We've really done it. It's almost like technology. It, that's kind of when technology really started. That's kind of when the abuse, if you will, started. Would you agree with that? Well, sort of. What I would say is that technology hastened the abuse, that the, 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 the okay. shift in couple, you know, two or 3,000 years ago as we moved away from the feminine and denigrated the earth and the feminine and the body and said that was bad and only heaven was good, and we had a split from our reality at that time. And that split didn't show up quite in the way it does now until we had technology. But technology multiplied that split. You know, for instance, we've always, you know, cut down trees to build buildings, but once we Mm -hmm. had chainsaws and tractors and bulldozers, we could do it much faster. So technology hastens and and increases whatever the worldview is of the culture that uses it. So if it's a worldview of separation, technology is going to make that separation happen faster and faster. Right. Yeah, and that's why it seems like it's a shorter period of time to do it because it was just hastened by our abilities and what we created, you know, and invented in order to make life easier. And then there was that downward slide that we're kind of in right now. You you have a quote in your book from Lynn Twist. As a species, we are no longer the subject of the evolutionary process. We have become the authors of it. And that that is a very interesting statement because as a society right now, we're probably the first to truly understand that we absolutely can consciously evolve, which is huge on a many different levels for both good and for bad. 
So how do we as individuals contribute or do our part to find our own divinity, if you will, so we can take the reins to co-create a future that is positive and, and take back and be in the power of love? Well, first of all, we have to understand evolution itself and that we are part of it. And we are, you know, evolution's next chapter, so to speak. You know, it's like we're opening a new chapter on evolutionary history, this chapter of entering our adulthood. So what we can do as individuals to help that along is to understand our own evolution, to heal the wounds of our past, and we need to heal the cultural wounds of our past, but each of us took some of those wounds in personally. You know, it's like there was shrapnel and we all got a little piece of it in our psyche somewhere. And to do that healing helps to bring us to the heart and help us, helps us to awaken our own divine powers, if you will. It's a matter of growing up, really. I mean, when I say we're moving adolescence to adulthood, that is the challenge before us, both individually and collectively. So, you know, where are we not willing to grow up and take responsibility? Where have we not become adults? Where are we narcissistically self-absorbed? Where are we using resources without putting them back? Um, you know, where are we trying to grow exponentially when there isn't that much room to grow and we need to be sustainable? Uh, where are we being selfish instead of looking at the larger picture? All of those things are the difference between adolescence and adults. And so, personally, we have to look at how we can grow up. And our spiritual practices, you know, meditation, yoga, martial arts, um, you know, prayer, whatever, there's many, many spiritual practices that have been handed down to us as ways to support that, mature proce- that maturing process. You know, the meditation actually helps you evolve your consciousness. Yoga helps you take care of your body and evolve your consciousness and other disciplines as well. So those are some of the things we can do to help ourselves grow up. And and probably, I mean, for me, I think that it it's probably easier said than done. And, well, it is easier said than done, but to, the first few steps might be to just start living from from your heart, from your heart chakra. And ha- having said that, I wonder if we're going into the heart chakra along with the throat chakra because our ability to communicate with clarity and compassion is governed by an energy center or, or the, the throat chakra. Uh, you know, and when the energy in our throat chakra is flowing freely, we're able to express our truth and we don't worry about being judged or misunderstood and we're able to listen with our heart and hear the messages other people are sending us but if we aren't doing that and using our heart, which enables us to speak our truth, if you will, from the throat chakra, if it's congested, we might feel a bit anxious about how other people react to our views and judging us, and then we try to censor ourselves, and we might find it difficult to listen with an open heart and an open mind. Could we be going into the heart chakra, which is kind of tied in with the throat chakra? Does that, is there ever really, have you noticed an overlap Oh, yes. And let me speak about the upper chakras in general, because as I see it, the heart is actually the integrator of all the upper chakras with the lower chakras. So chakra five relates to communication, as you say. We all know that good communication makes for a good relationship, right? It's an essential part of making love last. Um, But let's talk about it from the world perspective, that as we have created our technology, we've also created global communication, at at a level that we've never had before. And into that global communication, we can also now put images. You know, we've got YouTube videos and websites with pictures and emails with pictures. And so now we're communicating an image. And, of course, we have television and movies. Um, And we have a worldwide web of information in the Internet and Wikipedia and all the websites and, you know, all the knowledge. So we've actually done our collective, not that we're finished with it, but we have opened the collective fifth, sixth, and seventh chakras. And we had to do that before we could come down and integrate them at the heart. So to really be in our heart does take open fifth chakra. It also takes vision. It also takes Mm -hmm. understanding. 
and then we bring those down and we reclaim the elements of the body that were suppressed in order to get to the upper chakras, the, the sanctity and, and sacredness of the body and the earth, of our emotions and water and our sexuality, our personal power and our fire and our will and our determination to be able to actually determine our own lives, our sovereignty. sovereignty. And then we take the lower three and the upper three, and we integrate them at the heart. And we are only here for the first time now on the planet. Wait, what do you mean by that? <laughs> we are only here for the first time on the planet. A global communication with ah. a common ground, for instance. Mm-hmm. And having we've only the ability had to... this level in the last couple decades. Right. Yeah, not even 20 years probably. Yeah, yeah. Because every day it's stronger and there's more to see this stronger and stronger, more things that you can do to uh, connect with other people in other parts of the world, which is wonderful and in some ways not so great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's uh, really wonderful that here you are a PhD and you're you're doing your work and you're working with the chakras as well. That's not common in your line of work. I don't see that. I interview a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists and, and a lot of people who come on here, and it's not not everyone is as open to that as you are and have brought your work to prove, because I think it does prove it. Yeah, well, it gives me some credibility. I was actually into the chakras before I went and got my master's and Ph.D., and so I, I sort of um, shored up my studies in that way, and, uh, you know, there's been a part of me that's always been a scholar. Um, but, uh, yes, you're right. Most people that go through that system of education, that system has a particular bias. And um, it has the bias that's left over from, you know, the scientific revolution that, you know, said uh, only matter was real and anything of spirit was non-existent. And so um, you're right in that you don't see that overlap. But I think it's happening more and more. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it is happening more and more because more and more people, well, first of all, with the technology, there's a lot out there, so there's a lot to discuss. But the efficacy of a lot of things have been proven over and over and over again, so it cannot be ignored. Exactly, exactly. And people who are in technology also long for some kind of spiritual experience, and uh, people who have spiritual experiences long to have them grounded in a reality they can explain and relate to. And so these, these, you know, science and spirit are, you know, they moved, they actually got a divorce several hundred years ago, and now they're coming back together. <laughs> they're going to remarry. <laughs> well, the divine we see that a divine- lot. divorced a long time ago, too, and then they discovered they couldn't really divide up the property. <laughs> and everybody can understand that because we've heard that so often before we are talking with Anodea Judith author of The Global Heart Awakens and you can learn more about Anodea by going to her website and and please correct me if I'm wrong your website is sacredcenters.com is that correct Anodea? that's my main website and the one for the book is globalheartawakens.com Okay, that information was not given to me. So you have two that you can check out, sacredcenters.com and globalheartawakens.com, and you can do that after the show. You know, in, I believe in your book I also read, it isn't until we are in the darkness that we can truly see the light. And that's very true. Do you feel that we're coming out of the darkness now? We're just starting it, or are we a little bit more into it than maybe we think we are? Because people are just crazy with the energy shift. They're just, they're, they're all over the place. Do you see that? Oh, I do see that. You spoke at the beginning of this call about, you know, an underlying chaos that is happening, yeah. and that is as the old order breaks up. And the old order was very static. It was very rigid. It had a lot of rules and regulations and laws, and it, I call it the static masculine. And what we're coming is to a more dynamic living universe that's going to break up the old order. But when it first does, there's a lot of confusion because the new order is not in place yet. And it's no small thing that's going to happen overnight. It emerges as the old order collapses. So you see a lot of people not knowing what to do, not knowing what to count on, 
You know, we can't count on things the way we used to, that we could go to school and get a job and know that that career is going to last into the future and we're going to be able to buy a house or whatever. I mean, nothing is certain anymore. And uh, that's part of the crisis. Do I think we're out of the darkness? To be honest, I think we are just going into it. And really? That, as, that, it, that these difficulties we're having are like contractions in the birth process. And those contractions are going to get a little more severe and a little closer together as we near, you know, as as we are birthing humanity into a new age. Contractions like, you know, shortage of gasoline, uh, you know, natural disasters, uh, economic instabilities and shortages and things like the recession, things like that are contractions that are forcing a new way of living. And so the contractions are painful, but we have to remember that there's something opening on the other end. There is a baby being born, and uh, that with each contraction in the birth process, you know, the cervix opens a little bit. So it mm-hmm. contracts, and it opens a little bit more. So as long as we're opening, we're actually, the darkness is happening, but the light is happening at the same time. So maybe Creation it will be is- a quicker process than it has been in the past with other changes. Yeah, creation and destruction have always happened at the same time. The difference now is both of them are happening faster and faster. Well, that's good, you know, because I did not expect you to say that we were going into the darkness. That was a shock to me. (laughs) Well, you know, we know that global warming, having not been checked, is going to get worse and worse even if we started doing everything right tomorrow. And so the natural disasters, there's going to be more of them, and they're going to be more severe. That's one thing that's going to happen. Um, We've Mm -hmm. been bankrupting the planet in our economic system. We've been taking from the warehouse of the earth and the seas and the forest and not putting anything back or not putting enough back. And so that's going to be bankrupt at some point. You know, there's a lot of very serious, serious environmental issues. Uh, 90% of the ocean fish are gone, 50% of the forests. Topsoil is disappearing and turning to desert at the rate of 3,400 acres per hour. Um, the plankton in the sea that provide 50% of the oxygen are down by 40% and not recovering, and uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. So, you know, mm-hmm. the bees are disappearing. So we have some really serious things to address. The good news is that they are all addressable for a fraction of what we spent on the Iraq War. If, in fact, if, in fact, and I agree with you 100%, but money gets in the way, and the money hunger has got to stop, and the big corporations are putting up blocks to a lot of these things. And I'll give you an example. There was a gentleman, there is a gentleman from Japan, I do not know his name, and he started taking plastic. He started thinking if plastic is made from oil, then we can bring it back, just change the molecules and bring it back to oil. He came up with the machine that he can bring with him on a plane, and he goes to undeveloped countries, and he shows them, collect all these water bottles, put this in this machine, and out comes oil that then goes through a filter and comes out white or clear, the way that you buy it in the store when you're putting it in a lawnmower or something like that. It doesn't turn black until you're using it and you're emptying it out. When you first purchase it, it looks like water. It's very clear. He has made this oil out of what we call recyclables that we're not recycling because there's too many of them and people are just putting in into dump sites anyway. But I wonder, it's such a great program he has and he has this machine. Who will pick this up and say, hey, I'll try it and make a whole refinery that does this so that we in the United States don't have to depend on other countries for gas and oil and our prices will go down and we'll actually be doing a multiple amount of things for the planet and for ourselves in this process. And I have to say, I think a lot of times the government gets in the way, companies get in the way, and that's why things don't happen. Yeah, and that's why it's actually coming down to the people. You know, the largest movement on the planet today is people volunteering for non-governmental organizations to address environmental um, destruction and social justice, you know, um, democracy, peace, the study of consciousness. This is not coming from the government sector. It's coming from the people. I saw that YouTube video about the guy that turns uh, garbage into oil, and I think it's a phenomenal invention that could yeah. um, 
could really save our skin in many ways, certainly give us something to do with the garbage because we have a, a, a patch the size of Texas outside in the Gulf of Mexico of just floating plastic garbage. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing is the burning of oil contributes to global warming, and we need to stop that. So this will help us with our products and help us with many things that we need, but it doesn't ultimately solve the problem. But, you know, what you're citing is that there are solutions to various problems. We are innovative. We are intelligent. We are clever. What um, some other things we found is that redwood trees have been growing faster lately and that they are major fixers of carbon. It's almost like the redwood trees are growing up to gather the carbon. There's been an island that was threatened as water level was rising, and all of a sudden the coral started producing much faster to send out the edges of the beach almost as protection against the rising seas. So there's something in nature that is responsive. And if we can mimic nature, and there's a whole, you know, a whole field called biomimicry, then we can create solutions to many of our environmental problems. But we've got to get well, on Mother it fast. Earth, yes, and Mother Earth is a living, breathing thing. A lot of people don't really think about that, you know, the earth that way. But I think that Gaia is probably really ticked off to the ultimate end, and she is just like spitting and spewing right now because of what we're doing to her, which is why we're seeing tsunamis and hurricanes and earthquakes and sinkholes and everything. Like she's been abused, and she's not going to take it anymore, and I don't blame her, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, the fact that she's trying to hurry, hurriedly, grow these trees and get this coral going. She's doing her job. It's it's about time that we do ours and help her back because we it would not we would not be here if it were not for her. You know, air is not something people think about, but we have oxygen that we are able to breathe because of Earth. If everything wasn't perfectly done the way that it is, it's not an accident that we're here and these things are happening. But we need to take better care of her. And, you know, the gentleman taking the garbage and turning it into oil, it might not take care of everything, but it certainly is a start. And then somebody else will come along and say, well, you know what, the oil that's burning isn't good for the environment either. Let's do this. Everything inspires something else, I believe. Would you agree with that? I agree with that. And and humans are incredibly innovative. We can change. And actually solutions to just about every problem we have do exist. It's just that that is not where the collective will is yet, precisely because the problems haven't made themselves apparent to be serious enough. And, you know, the denial on on global warming is just starting to break, you know, but we need a lot more of it to break to really address the issue and make it front and center. And you're right, you know, the corporations that stand to lose money are are standing in the way. but as things get a little worse, the denial breaks, and then humanity will really get down to um, responding. We just hope it's not too late. Yes, and, you know, we're very resilient, and I think Mother Earth is too. She's been abused to the ultimate end, and I think that we probably will be able to do something, but that's no reason to just turn back and say, oh, well, I'm going to sit back and make someone else do it. I agree with you. I think it's a grassroots effort and that people are – and look at what happened when gas prices went up. People did staycations, not vacations. So, you know, there was a drop in travel economy right there. People will do what they need to do. It's really a shame it has to get to a very, uh, you know, a point of almost no turning back in order to do that. We've pushed the envelope too far, and we mm-hmm. need to be able to do some of these things. Absolutely, and that's what I mean about how a contraction, you know, the rising oil prices with a contraction created an opening where people drove significantly less. They started to carpool. As you say, they stayed home on vacation. Um, Many of the habits changed. And so it does create new behavior, and that new behavior is part of the new organizing principle. And that new behavior has been starting, I'm going to say, over the past 10, I've been doing yoga for a really long time, but probably the past 10 years I have noticed that more and more people are coming into the yoga class who are more and more up there on the corporate ladder. And they're understanding that I need to do this for me and for my family and for my kids. And it's very interesting to see that. And, And if it starts there, when I started seeing attorneys coming in, I thought, wow, I'm impressed. (laughs) Yoga is becoming mainstream. 
mm-hmm. and more and more people are, are 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 flocking to it. And you know, T, that's a really good example of how change happens. Because I've been in the yoga world too for forty years now. Uh, well, since nineteen seventy-five, almost forty years. And I have seen the movement grow by leaps and bounds over these last four decades. And by and large, you know, how it's happening is, you know, imagine someone goes to a party and they see somebody they haven't seen in five years, and she's been into yoga, and she looks great, you know, because people who practice yoga and eat well and keep their bodies in shape and breathe and meditate, they're happier, they're more fit, their skin glows, you know, they look good. So you see somebody at a party go, wow, what have you been doing? And she says, oh, I've been practicing yoga and eating organic or whatever her answer is. And the person says, well, I want some of what she's having. (laughs) And that is actually how change takes place. Small pockets of it, small pockets demonstrate that something is possible. They demonstrate the results. And once those results are demonstrated, people start to flock to it in greater and greater numbers. You know, that's very true, and it's it's interesting because the pockets, I was in Massachusetts 12 years ago and moved to New Jersey. Well, 12 years ago I was in Massachusetts, and then I moved to New Jersey. Let's put it that way. So the climate wasn't the same in Massachusetts as it was in New Jersey, and I moved here and thought there's nothing here. And then I started finding, okay, there's a yoga class I can go to and found the best teacher I've ever had in my life here in New Jersey. And... I realized, okay, this is where I'm meant to be, and I started to see the pockets getting bigger because when I went back to Massachusetts to visit, wow, there's a lot of yoga classes opening up. There's a lot of people doing alternative therapies. So even the healthcare industry, there's another avenue where we need to stop doing what we're doing and try to come up with alternatives. And I'm not saying not doing conventional treatments or anything. I'm just saying open up to more things, be open to it, because the costs are so high, people can't afford it anymore. So in every area of life, people are looking for something to help them. Exactly. Change is coming into every facet of human civilization. We are up for a new order. So we're up for a new order in the healthcare industry. We're up for a new order in the educational system. That really needs reform. We, you know, oh, yeah. the political system needs reform. The economic system needs reform. Uh, so all these systems are really transforming before our eyes. And part of that transformation is old structures fall as they prove themselves to not work anymore. And in the wake of that, new structures are created that work better. Yes. And that's what we need to do, keep creating those new structures and not be afraid to do it. Sometimes people will have an idea and not want to put it forth. And I think, like this gentleman in Japan, you know, it must have taken a lot to say, I'm going to build this machine and do this and bring it to undeveloped countries and try to teach them how to do this. That takes courage to do that and time and energy. And, you know, he's not working. He's just doing that. And you have to be able to take that leap of faith and do it and really feel it and go with it. But I think sometimes people hold back because they're a little bit fearful. Yes, they do, and they're fearful of the re- of the reaction. There's a story I tell in the book about uh, how the caterpillar turns into a butterfly. And, mm-hmm. at, you know, when the, the caterpillar eats its weight many, many times, 27,000 times its weight in its lifetime, and then the chrysalis forms around it and curtails its freedoms. But inside the caterpillar body, tiny cells that biologists actually call imaginal cells begin to appear, and they operate at a slightly different frequency. And they're so different from the caterpillar that the caterpillar's immune system attacks them. And that's much the way new ideas get attacked by the status quo, new ideas in medicine, new ideas in politics, new ideas in science um, are, are initially attacked. But what happens is these imaginal cells keep appearing anyway in greater and greater numbers. And as they do, they overwhelm the caterpillar's ability to attack them. They begin organizing amongst themselves, and they actually become the body of the butterfly. And when that happens, the caterpillar body becomes a nutritious soup for the emerging butterfly. The chrysalis becomes transparent as... You know, the Internet is making things transparent these days, and the butterfly emerges on its left wing and its right wing, but it's organized along its core. 
And its core is where the chakras, the core is what connects heaven and earth. Right. It's very interesting because nature knows exactly what to do and has perfect balance. It's us who are messing it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And really you know, because we we've do turned a... against nature thinking we know better. Nature has solutions exactly. to all our problems. Yes. If we can just figure Inclu- out how to yeah, including our medicinal needs. I mean, if you look at certain things, I remember my great-grandmother, if you cut yourself, she'd say, go out and pull a plantation leaf. And you'd go get a plantation leaf out of the grass, and she'd put it on your foot or whatever, wherever you got cut, and she'd put a Band-Aid over it, and it would be healed in like two days. Yeah, You know, exactly. I mean, she knew what herbs, and we know what herbs, and if you go to Africa, the women over there, if, if, a, if a person has a baby and the mother dies in birth, the grandmother takes over, and she can eat from a a plant, and her milk will come in so she can feed the baby. That's not normal. We don't do that here. You have to actually have yeah. gone through a pregnancy in order to have it. You know, every this planet is self-sufficient. We've got everything here that we need. We just have to seek it out and not think that we know better because, really, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. And we have, to, we have to have the foundation of the future we're going into that the earth has a sacred function, that the earth itself is divine. You know, it's like when you referred to Gaia as a living, breathing entity. It's like fleas don't know they're on an elephant. And humans haven't discovered we're on a living, living breathing entity that has an intelligence and that is also evolving. And unless we make, you know, the sacredness of earth a foundation for human civilization, we are not going to make it into the future. And that is, mm-hmm. you know, attributing the divine back to the feminine so that she can unite with the divine masculine. You know, we keep the divine masculine, nothing wrong with that. And then we can make the sacred marriage between them and have what's called the divine child. When I was writing the book, I was saying, so what is the divine child we're having then? The answer is the future. That is what we are co-creating together, but we need both masculine forces and feminine forces working in partnership to create the future. And that partnership is another aspect of the heart. We haven't had equality between the genders, you know, in a sense, ever. (laughs) And now we are beginning to. Now we're moving in that direction anyway. Yes. Well, you're right. We're beginning to. We are moving in that direction, you know. And uh, I think that, I don't know. I think it starts at home, as does everything. I know when people come here and they come to where I play quartz crystal singing bowls and I play them. I live on a lake, so I play them on the shore. There's a 50-foot, seven-circuit labyrinth in my yard. People come here and they like the energy. Well, I asked Gaia before I built the labyrinth, where should I put it? And then when I felt that this was the right place, I was like, okay, this, this looks good. And the reeds were growing. But over the winter and when I went back out in the spring, all the reeds in the area where I thought she wanted me to put it were, it almost looked like a crop circle. It was, they were laying down and like interwoven. And I thought, okay, this never happens. This is definitely where I need to put this labyrinth. And it was. I always ask. I ask yes. because I figure I want to be asked. So I'll ask, can I plant a tree here? And then after I yes. plant it and water it, I say, okay, Gaia, now it's up to you. You know, I'm, I'm helping. You know, and, and I think people don't ask. They don't, they, they don't. probably think you know, I'm crazy. <laughs> You bulldoze a building site. I remember one happened next door to where I was living at one time, and I, I could just feel they hadn't just said a prayer to the land. You know, is it okay if we build this house here? Please understand mm-hmm. we're going to cut into you. We will, you know, let's do this gently. Even that makes a difference. You know, I think when we first turned against the earth and the goddess and the old gods, there was a lot of chaos then too. And the law and order arose as a way to combat that chaos. It was also the chaos of people from different languages and customs coming together in small areas. But, you know, the chaos of famine and flood and droughts and things like that is when we are not living in balance with nature. Right. And when we're not living in balance with nature, it upsets the the entire apple cart. Everything just gets crazy including your own life people think it won't impact them personally but it really does i mean i believe it really does it certainly does you know we have moods that go with the weather and the weather is reflecting our moods yes absolutely there's one passage in your book that really resonated with me so very very much and i was wondering if you would mind if i would read it okay please 
Okay, it's called, it's on page 264, it's called Practice Acceptance. It's not that long, but this one really struck me because I think I believe so wholeheartedly in it. Gratitude, compassion, and forgiveness all lead to acceptance. The heart gives a sigh of relief when you settle into acceptance of how you are right now so that you can truly be here fully in this moment. The heart purrs approvingly when you apply that acceptance to others and appreciate their beauty in spite of their flaws. Each person you see struggles against gravity each morning. Each one has faced troubles and loss, obstacles and lessons. They are all doing the best they can with the tools they have. If you find yourself criticizing others, ask instead how you can help. For each of us truly wants to live the best way we can. We just need a little help in doing so. The heart's sweetest blessing and one that brings waves of gratitude is the realization that what is here is enough that we don't need more. It is amplified by reflecting the light we see in another back and forth until it is bright enough to light the world and herald a new dawn. That was just beautiful. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yes, it's a, acceptance is an important part of the heart. You know, the third chakra wants to forge forward and change things, but the heart is more a state of being than doing. And so it's by accepting what is, and it doesn't mean we don't ever change it or evolve from it, but in order to change it or evolve it, we have to accept it. We have to accept ourselves and each other. And the heart just kind of goes, ah, when that happens. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, I, and not only do when things like that, when you accept other people, they're more accepting of you if you can just see that everybody's got a struggle, everybody's fighting some kind of a battle, you know, and really that lets go of the judgment and it moves the ego out of the way so that other things can occur that are good. And when we do that, we're really working toward the good. Yes, yes. I always say that judgment is what replaces understanding. You know, as a therapist, I got to hear people's stories and I was always so impressed that that person was even upright or walking or had a relationship at all or could hold a job or whatever once I knew their story. And I thought, you know, if somebody didn't know their story, they might judge this person as being awkward or ineffective, but if they knew the story, they would be impressed. And that judgment is what happens when we don't have the understanding. Mm-hmm. Right, and one of your other quotes was from Pascal, the heart has its reasons of which reason knows nothing. That is a very powerful statement. Because, you know, small acts of kindness that we perform each day, just the generosity that creates a ripple effect, we never know how far these things that we do go, good and bad. So it's probably best to err on the side of good, which isn't erring at all. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that's one thing you'll never regret on your deathbed. Oh, I was too good to people. Yeah, exactly. I was too nice. I did. I practiced too many random acts of kindness or something like that. It's just so not like that. But people don't think of that. And maybe that's another thing. If you think of, well, am I going to regret this? Or will I feel relief if I do this? That's very telling. Your gut tells you an awful lot. Your solar plexus will tell you, will guide you. Just tune into it and know and, and feel things in your heart. And if you're really living from your heart and you know what's right and it makes you feel good and it makes someone else feel good, it makes the earth feel good, then those kind of changes can happen. And again, it is a grassroots thing and every little person can do just a little bit and it's free to do. You don't have to pay anything to be kind to everyone and everything that comes across your path. Yeah, I say be excellent to each other. It's a really good way to start. And be excellent to the earth and to your home and to your children and, you know, to your neighbors. And, I mean, if we just were excellent to everything, you know, the world would be in a much better place. Yeah, it's a shame, but that's not the way it is, you know. Oh, you know, this could, discussion could go on for days. However, the clock is indicating otherwise. And I really, before we leave, I would love you to please tell our listeners how they may learn more about you and your work and how they may purchase your book, The Global Heart Awakens. Yes, um, the website, the globalheartawakens.com, and there's a little three-minute trailer you can see about the book. Um, you can buy the book on that website, on my Sacred Centers website. You can buy it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and your bookstores, usual places. Um, I have an online course called Love Powered Evolutionaries. It's been running for a few weeks. 
Um, but you can get downloads. You can still buy the course and then listen to it in your own time. It's a seven-week course uh, with handouts that come about how to really be an evolutionary agent coming from the power of love. Uh, I have courses and I teach all over the world. And I'm heading off to Europe in just a couple of weeks to teach there. And I also have another website, creatingonpurpose.net, which is about how to manifest your highest vision. Well, that's wonderful. That's you have a lot going one. on. A lot going on. I love the sound of the Love Powered Evolutionaries course. That sounds very interesting. Is that is that something that you said you can still sign up for? Is it something that will be ongoing? Like people like uh, you can sign up any time, and the courses the seven weeks will just come to you one consecutively. Yeah, you you would get download links for all the classes that have happened so far. And tonight, actually, right is it almost after I get off the phone with you, I will be doing the fifth call of seven. But someone can sign up for it. They can go to the Shift Network, T-H-E, Shift Network, and find out about the course, or they can find out about it on uh, sacredcenters.com. That's very interesting. I think that's that's a, a wonderful thing. I might want to do that. The shiftnetwork.com. Yes. Check that and out. Shift <laughs> and to know about um, that is really dedicated to shifting consciousness on this planet, and they have a lot of great teachers in their courses. That's great. And, you know, I have to say, the book really covers everything. It, it, it really, we've only touched a little bit of what's in the book, but it touches on everything and, and it speaks to it so well. And I love the, the quotes that you have in there, the examples that you have. Everything just flows beautifully. And as I said, that one paragraph on practice acceptance, I guess it was two paragraphs, just really moved me in a way that I thought this is written so perfectly beautifully. It just speaks so well to it. I, I loved it. So, I, again, I want to thank you for that paragraph. <laughs> and listeners, you know, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so why not share it with your friends? Send the link to the show so they can be made aware of all the wonderful things that are offered here at Energy Awareness Radio. All of my guests share their time freely. They give us a minimum of 60 minutes of their day to help us all, and as you are all aware, they do so at no charge. You pay nothing for the wisdom and knowledge that you receive here at Energy Awareness Radio from all these wonderful guests who share their time and expertise with all of us. So go ahead, make others aware so they too will be able to grow and learn and make this world better for everyone. And thank you again, Anodea. I very much appreciate you taking time to be here with all of us tonight. This was a very positive and uplifting show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm sure we could talk forever. Yeah, I think so. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in this evening. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next Wednesday at 6 o'clock Eastern Time for another great show. So go ahead, get out your calendar and note it now so that you remember to tune in next week. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archived list of past shows, a lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting throughout the year. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. I got a roof over my head I got a warm place to sleep So that's all I will wake up Instead of sheep I got a When I remember how I'm blessed, great 
It's not a hand. 